Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every film, every black film. Black film, we're not. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. (laughs) We're not expanding the mission. (laughs) No, we're not. No, we are not. Tonight's film, Finian's Rainbow. No. Um... (laughs) Take two. Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to Vincent's favorite time of year. Time of the century, as it were. Well, the previous century. The 1970s. Yes. And specifically, 1973. As we ride along with Willie Dynamite, Willie D, Vincent's selection for tonight's stop on the Michelle Mission as we are streaming live to YouTube and our Facebook group. Before we get deep into the show, uh, we have, you know, want to share our regrets to the, the family of the actor Ron Cephas Jones. Yeah. Who yeah, passed really away. Sad. Uh, at the age, a young age, 59 I years old. No, I know. Um, two-time Emmy Award winner for ABC's This I- This Is Us. I thought it was 66. You said 59? Oh, was he 66? Yeah. I don't know why I thought it, I saw 59. I don't think so. Now we have to now, now we, we have, have to, to correct this in real time. Look it up. If only we it, had some device in our pockets that could tell us. To the tricorder, Vincent. On Cephas Jones. Yeah, he was born in 57. Okay, so that would put so him yeah, at 66. 66. Okay. 66. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Either way, that's still either way, way too young. Way too young. Way too young. Way too young. Um mm-hmm. a veteran of here on the Me Show Mission has shown up in some films. Absolutely. Clockers. Yeah. He yeah. was he was seen in him once or twice. Yeah. And and certainly a face that you saw a lot. He was on um House of Cards as a recurring character. Yes. The American version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was also a recurring character on Luke Cage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and probably best known for his role on This Is Us most recently. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, so that was a big blow for people when he passed. Yeah. Um, he was a, a very talented actor. And by all of the um, testimonials yeah. that people have been making... Uh, someone who touched a lot of souls and it was um, just a, a good person to be around, full of laughter, joy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Our hearts go out to him. Absolutely. To his family. Absolutely. Their loss. All right. Um, but with one passing. Yes. There's also a moment for celebration. Okay. Because today is August 22nd mm-hmm. of 2023. Yes. Day that will live in black history. Yes, sir. In black joy. Because August 22nd, 1993. Yeah. It's also the premiere of Living Single. Yeah. Yeah. The film, the TV series, venerable TV series that starred Queen Latifah, mm-hmm. Kim Fields, mm-hmm. uh, Erica Alexander. Yes. Live there for a minute with Erica Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay. 
Um, and then um, Kim. Don't look at me. You start naming cast members. I just assumed you knew all of them. We have talked about this. <laughs> Do I need to talk about Romper Room again? You can't start if you can't finish. See? See, this is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of thing that, you know, five years from now, John Hinton's manager is going to give us, send us an email, or Kim Cole's sister Kim Cole's. listens, or, you know, T.C. Carson's uncle. Yes. You, you know, this Rounding is just, out the cast. Right, you have to, right, say the whole cast. Well, thank you. Yes, yes. You I won. did half and you did half. There you go. It was planned. Exactly. <laughs> We're a team. Um, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a show actually that, unlike a lot of shows, mm-hmm. uh, and unfortunately a lot of, a fair amount of black shows, especially black sitcoms. Sure. It is a show that fashions aside, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Wears very well. It it wears very well. It absolutely has legs. I uh, follow Kim Fields on Instagram, and earlier this afternoon, she posted three college students. I mean, these these young women couldn't have been twenty two years old, mm-hmm. and they sung the theme song. She said she was walking and heard them singing it, and then you know posted them. And it is certainly something that has continuing relevance. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, cool show. Great show. I oh, absolutely. Really great show. Uh, in many ways, ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and has been oft, often copied in formula. Sure, sure. Um, and I would argue that it hasn't been surpassed. Some may have surpassed more in notoriety. Sure. Such as like, you know, Sex in the City and things like that. But I, I'd put up Living Single against up against the best episodes of Sex in the City any day. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Of course, you know, I'm probably not the one to ask. I wasn't, I never, you never really got it. Dick dug the whole the thing with Sex, sex in the City. I just never got it. But, you know, I don't think I was the target audience at all. So, But we weren't the target audience for Living Single either, yet we got I it. I mean, again, you know, all jokes aside, as much as, the 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 women in the cast rightfully have the um the bulk of the notoriety from it. John Hinton and T.C. Carson were integral parts of the cast. Yeah. So we actually like like there was this really big male representation. Okay, fair enough. But I think it it premiered around the same time as Martin. Right. And played, and I think Martin. I mean, we everybody loved both shows, sure. But Martin was kind of like the guy show, and the Living Single was. Ooh, what was? Did we have a meeting where we said that? I, I, I'm, I, I think that more guys liked Martin, sure, than necessarily like women gravitated to Martin because Martin could, could Martin could be polarizing, right. Right. You know what I mean? Because because I honestly I fell out of love with Martin after the first season. Sure, 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 sure. So that's so that's why I'm saying that. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. All right. I'll go along with that. It's very political. You're so political. Uh, you know, just come on, just come on. Just just go. Just come out to the ledge with me. Just just go. Sure. 
But happy anniversary. I really am pulling for a reunion. A reunion of living show like a mini series or, you know, it's it's we were we were talking about um, limited series revamps Mm -hmm. of older properties Mm -hmm. right before we started taping, because um, the teaser for Good Burger, too. Yes. Is it dropped and, and for a certain demographic, that's a huge deal. And that's going to have. That, and that demographic is our producer, Dylan, because when we mentioned it before the cameras came on, all we heard was like, really? Right. <laughs> Look. Keenan and Kel, good burger. But I would love to see, a, a you know, a couple of hour. Where are they now? Living single. Still living single, living married. I don't know. We'll workshop it, but mm. I don't. I I don't want to see that. Primarily because, as a comedy, that I don't know if they ever. I don't think they really got like a a, a hard ending that they wanted. Like they probably would could have would have wanted a, another season, right? Well, yeah, yeah. You know, they but, brought T.C. Carson back and. That like as a like comedy, feel like I feel like it, it it it's over. It's cool. It's done because if you open up the can of worms, you've got to inject some kind of drama into it. Something has to happen, otherwise, it where's the story? Sure, you know what I mean. Um, so I would just as soon as like just 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 let it live, like a forever. reunion of them sitting talking reminiscing sure you know like it's something like that sure but that that would be it just really irritates me that the living single checks don't look like they should look compared to other shows i know so i'm you know know. me i'm always pulling for checks well i feel you so i feel you but i hear you i hear you and that's a very good point because bring it back and now somebody's grandchild is Doing some stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, but okay. Are you excited for the Good Burger 2? I'm excited that people are excited. You you know, when we talked about the film, I think that really captures my feelings about Good Burger 2. I I respect its place in the culture. Mm -hmm. It's not for me. Right. I'm happy for people that are happy. Yeah, me too. And I'm happy that Kel, I'm I'm actually happy that Kenan Thompson isn't so big. That he came and he did it. Because, you know, obviously Kenan Thompson doesn't need the Good Burger check. No, he doesn't. But, you know, I'm glad he has affection for the material. I'm glad he and Kel Mitchell have um, maintained a relationship enough Mm -hmm. that they can do it. So, yeah, I'm happy about it. I dig it. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, We're going to move on. Wait, are you happy about it? You didn't say if you were happy about it. Does that mean you're not happy about it? Have I called you out? Should I just have been quiet? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm happy that, you know, they're going to get some money. I'm happy that it's, I'm actually more happy that they smartly are releasing it to Paramount Plus mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to release this as a feature film. Um, just releasing it directly to streaming. Mm-hmm. So where it won't have that... You, uh, the um, the specter of what did the box office tell you about sure, this movie over sure. it. So if it's on streaming, people will find it. You find it. You ch- you watch it in, at your leisure. Sure. You know, and 
and it can just kind of like live there. Maybe if it even just lives there like silently, you find it like a year later, it's no harm, no foul. Sure. You know, so I'm, I'm happy for that. That's, that's the reason why I'm happy for it. Okay. Fair enough. So what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Above the Rim movie review and soundtrack. Okay. This email comes by way of Michael Sykes. Hey, what's going on, Michael? Who apparently is on a weekly mission Mm -hmm. to watch and review every episode of the Michelle Mission. Okay. So, um, hello, Len and Vince. This is Michael Sykes. I saw the review of the 1994 movie Above the Rim. Yes. The movie can be unforgettable due to Leon's poor acting, a.k.a. <laughs> Blue Steel, a reference to the Zoolander movie. Yeah. Mm. Also, Marlon Wayans is all over the place in this movie, but don't crap on the soundtrack. The soundtrack is excellent. The two times platinum album is known not just for Warren G and Nate Dogg's Regulator, but also Lady of Rage's Afro Puffs, which went number five on the U.S. Dance Club hit and U.S. and number five on the R&B hip hop charts for two weeks. The album also contains hits like uh, Pour Out a Little Liquor from Tupac, um, a the Anything remix by SWV, the Dog Pound featuring Snoop Dogg's Big Pimpin', H-Town's Part-Time Love. The album was number two on the U.S. Billboard 200 for three weeks and number one on the U.S. Top R&B and Hip Hop for 11 weeks. Above the Rim is a great 90s soundtrack urban movie along with New Jack City, Juice, Mo Money, Friday, Menace to Society, uh, Higher Learning, Dead Presidents, and Boys in the Hood. Maybe it's because I'm from the Bay Area and it's a West Coast thing of why I love this soundtrack. I still have love for y'all. I just can't let y'all crap on a classic like that. Right, but I, if if I recall correctly, I don't think we crapped on it. We just said basically what Michael said. It was a weird choice for a soundtrack to a film that was very vigorously an East Coast yeah. New York film to be filled with West Coast. Oh, that's West Coast. Music. The music is great. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah, and it's not even like it's West Coast artists trying to do New York vibe. Right. These are straight they up just West straight Coast. Up West yeah. Coast yeah. You know? So, I mean, you know, but yeah. It's and a- certainly in the 90s where there was such a distinctive split mm-hmm. between the sounds in different regions you know i'm going to try not to slip into cranky old man but it's not like now where all this sludge just sounds alike right that's very true so but but yeah we're we're fans michael he has an addendum okay what are y'all top five 90s hood movie soundtracks i don't know if we can come up with top five but i mean off the top of our head well, he names quite a few already. Right. New Jack City. Right. I mean, that that's that's sure, sure. Um, um Juice. Juice. He, he, he mentioned, mentioned juice, mentions juice. He mentions dead presidents. Right. I'm going to throw two Spike Lee ones on there, both clockers 
and Clockers the Hip Hop album and New Jersey Drive. He produced New Jersey Drive, right? Because he didn't direct New Jersey Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just, I'm right. just making yes, sure. Yes, just you said Spike Lee movie, so I'm right, just making right, sure. Right. Um, I didn't want people to, to misconstrue. Um, that's all. Um, yeah. And he also mentions Friday, which is a good, uh, mm-hmm. good soundtrack. Menace to Society. Um, Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, yeah. Boys in the Hood, good soundtrack. I'm trying to remember what was actually on. Menace to Society. Menace to Society soundtrack. Yeah. Because I, I thought that was... No, never mind. I'm mixing out with Dead Presidents, which was all the old soul. Yes. 70s yes. soul. Yeah. And Dead Presidents wasn't, wasn't bad either. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's kind of like named them. Yeah. I mean, right there. Right? right there. Those are good ones. Those are very good ones. So mm-hmm. there you go. Well, well done, Michael. There you go. Top five. Who's your top five? Five, ladies and gentlemen, in celebration of Willie Dynamite, mm-hmm. Vincent's selection, mm-hmm. another 70s movie that does deal straight up is in the title with Pimpin'. Yes, yes, Pimpin'. The world of Pimpin'. Yes, world of Pimpin'. Now, you wouldn't do this, but I've come up and thought mm-hmm. about it. Right. If I were to be a pimp. Mm-hmm. And really a movie pimp. A movie pimp. Right, because I think you have to specify. I don't think you think about becoming a sex trafficker. No, I do not. Yeah, okay. No, I do not. Much to my uncle's chagrin. Right. Um, oh, Sorry, uncle under the bus. I mean, he is I'm no longer with us, but okay. he was not ashamed of his profession. All right. Mark, go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, you got five pimp names? No, I have one. You have one pimp name? I have one pimp name for myself. You, that you I, that I thought about name. it. You, you thought about it? No, I did. Okay. I have a couple minutes. What's your, what's your pimp name? Because I, it had to be a name that I could see people calling me in the streets. In the streets. You know, because it's got to be, you know. Sure. Got to sound good coming off like the Like it top. couldn't be Lynn. Right. It couldn't be like Lynn the Pimp. <laughs> Although Pimpin' Lynn has a bit of a then flair a to a pimp, Pimpin' Lynn. Or a pimp named Lynn. A pimp named Lynn. A pimp Lynn. called Lynn. Pimp called Lynn. But no. Okay. It wasn't that. What do you got? So. Bat Daddy. Bat Daddy. Yeah. Bat Daddy? Bat Daddy. Okay. All right. Well, there's the. I'm Bat Daddy. You're, you're Bat Daddy. I find the whole thing, you know, a bit juvenile, quite honestly. It's just, it's just really... A, a bit juvenile and 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 like I told you, I I did not come up with a pimp name. However, I would answer to macchiato, <laughs> like a macchiato, because I'd always be drinking macchiatos, <laughs> and I'd have like little espresso cups made out of crystal. Crystal. Crystal, and I'd drink my macchiatos out of it. And and I'd wear white suits, just resplendent white suits. Mm. Just white suits with ivory accents. You know, my tie, my buttons, my cufflinks would be ivory. And and just just 
clean all the time because, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't raise my voice and certainly I wouldn't, you know, be violent because, mm-hmm. you know, real pimping is not in your hand. It's in your mind. Very true. And if you hand me Very your true. mind and make your next choice, your best choice, I can make sure you live a life without strife. And, and so that's, you know, if, 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 you know, I'm not doing this, if, if right. Like I'm not doing this and, you know, it's like, like you know, no real jewelry or nothing. Like I'd have a white gold wedding band because I'm married to the game. Had like a charm bracelet with each charm would have the initial of the women or men because, you know, an opportunity pimp. This pimping ain't prejudice. And cash is non-binary. And I would, if if I were to, if do, you were to give this any cause, thought, because I find this silly, quite honestly, right. and beneath us, and juvenile, and juvenile. I mean, if we were nineteen, sure, but we're Not. adults, so. So, anyway, in that vein, in that vein, we're doing the top five. Who that pimp? Who that pimp? These are pimps mm-hmm. that you would not necessarily believe that they are a pimp. Okay, these are these are roles that people played. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, all right, okay. So who do we got? Starting at number five. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable pimps. Unbelievable pimp. Who that pimp? We have a pimp named Fast Black. Okay, from Street Smart. 1987 crime thriller mm-hmm. starring Christopher Reeve and Kathy Baker and in the role of Fast Black. Yeah. Morgan Freeman. And you don't believe he was a pimp? Oh, I believe he was a pimp. Okay. But the general audience, you would not, it's like the general audience, most, a lot of people don't sure, know of this movie. Sure, sure, sure. And even though Morgan Freeman is the best thing in this movie. It, it I've almost chosen this film because of Morgan Freeman. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But Morgan Freeman is a pimp named Fast Black. Yes, he is. And he is no... He he is insane in this movie. This movie, give me the the plot. Uh, Christopher Reeve, Superman himself, plays Jonathan Fisher a magazine reporter based in New York City who was having a difficult time pitching the story to his editor. Frustrated and worried about his career prospect, he finally pitches the profile of a real-life street pimp and pays a prostitute for her time so that he can meet up with Leo, a.k.a. Fast Black Smalls, Mm -hmm. who proceeds to take uh, Jonathan around town and show him the inside of the pimp game. Yeah. With no frills at all. Yeah, yeah. This is not a film with funny hats Mm-mm. and and fast double talking and yeah, this this is a film. Yeah. 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 So that that's my number five. Right. You would not believe, right? And that Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, but he is quite believable. He is in quite the role, believable. As but a you know, sort of. Like, okay, I got. Okay, I got your vibe now. Got your all vibe right. now. All right, all right, all right. Who's number four? I wouldn't believe that he was a pin. This would be from 1999. Mm-hmm. 
in the movie Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Mm. You remember that movie? I, I knew it exists. Like, I've heard the name. <laughs> um, he runs afoul of a, um, a low-rent pimp played by Eddie Griffin, T.J. Hicks. Right, right. Not the most pimp name in the world. Now, is this, is this the Rob Schneider? Rob Schneider is Deuce Bigelow. Oh, yeah. And he and and T.J. Hicks, Eddie Griffin, pimps him out because that's the only way that he can make up some money to, to, oh, to pay are, off. Oh, my goodness. Are you telling me the plot to Deuce Bigelow right now? Yes. You've never seen Deuce Bigelow? Why would I have seen Deuce Bigelow? What would possibly be going on in my life that I would say, oh, this is a film that stars Rob Schneider. And Andy Griffin. Adam Sandler's mascot. It looks like a, it's a, it's a dumb, silly comedy. Have you seen it? Yeah. And it's a, you're dumb, silly. It's, it's not, a dumb, silly. It's not a black movie, is it? No. Okay. No, it's not a black movie. <laughs> I've had a pretty strong no Rob Schneider rule <laughs> since he was on Saturday Night Live. No, I have not seen. So, but he's not believable as a pimp, Eddie Griffith. He's he's believable as, as, as he can be, but it's just that his name he's T.J. Hicks. That doesn't sound like a pimp. He needs a better name. He needs a better name. He doesn't really have. He doesn't have the accoutrement. He needs a, a pimp name. Yeah, like and, he and he doesn't have much game or pimping Lynn. Or macchiata. Or macchiata. Crystal. You say just in a in in just a normal voice to your 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 part your part. Hey, hey, hey. Don't lose your charm. And then you keep it. Number three. Moving. All right, I'm just saying. Keep it moving. You've put absolutely no thought to this. I, I mean, I find the whole thing juvenile. Of course. Quite honestly. Of course. Number three mm-hmm. from 1982. Okay. This two pimps in this film. Okay. Chuck and Blaze, okay, are the pimps of the film Night Shift, starring one Henry Winkler, yeah, and Michael Batman Keaton, yeah, oh yeah, along with Shelley Long, yeah, who plays a prostitute. Yes, she does. If you believe that, yeah. Um, this is actually a good movie. I was about to say this is a solid movie. It's a solid movie, yeah. but. They look ridiculous as pimps, especially Michael Keaton very early in his career. Mm-hmm. And he tries to like walk to walk and talk to talk. Sure. And he just looks ridiculous. In well, it. along the themes of this film, he um, got his ideas from of pimps from, from watching movies. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Yeah. Fun movie, though. You've seen the film. I have. I have. Yeah. It's an enjoyable movie. I've watched it again. I think I watched it over the pandemic. Okay. All right. It's really good. Nice to know it's streaming. All right. Seems like one that would have gotten lost in the cracks. So. 1983. 1983. Is number two. Mm-hmm. And this is a film that features um, Dan Aykroyd. Oh, no. You are not about to speak ill of Dr. Detroit. And are you? Phil called Dr. Detroit. I doth protest this. 
The plot of this film is mm-hmm. that a pimp called Smooth Walker, yes, um, played by Howard Hessman, mm-hmm. is on the run. So he trusts his call girls to a meek professor of literature. Yes, sir. Dan Aykroyd, who accepts the challenge and takes on the moniker of Dr. Detroit. That's right. That's right. And, and he represents, again, I believe Fran Drescher plays the, plays the main prostitute. Because he's fighting against Ma. Yes. Yes. Ma. These are my girls. Dr. Detroit is fantastic. Uh, to be fair, mm-hmm. I've never been able to make it through Dr. Detroit. It's because you're weak. No, well, I, I don't like solo Dan Aykroyd. You lack vision, Lynn. <laughs> you lack vision. Not yet. Not yet. Hold up. The only way we are going to get through these films is if we collectivize and come together and watch them. Hold your fingernails. Okay. It's coming. All right. It's coming. Um, yeah, I don't like solo uh, Dan Aykroyd. That's fair. And I don't, I don't find him enjoyable in that way. I'm That's always fair. looking for the funny guy. Detroit isn't that good. I just love Dr. Detroit. Yeah. It's such a bizarre film. It's a very, well, I've heard, I just can't get through it. It's got like a dance number at the end, I think. Is James Brown in Dr. Detroit? Yes. I think James Brown is in Dr. Detroit. Yes, he makes a special appearance. It is the most bizarre film. Yeah, it's the film where Dan Aykroyd met his wife, Donna Dixon. <laughs> I wonder if that comes up at anniversaries. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Yeah. All right. And number, but I do love Dr. Detroit. I'm not even going front. Number one. Okay. Is a film that I knew nothing about. Okay. It's from 2005. 2005. Okay. It's an animated movie. It's a pimp in an animated movie. In an animated movie. Okay. Uh, Selling that cartoon tale. Starring... Lil Kim. Okay, Lil Kim. And as the voice of the pimp, Bernie Mac. From 2005, Lil Pimp. Is is this something that actually exists? It is a movie that actually exists. It's called Lil Pimp. Now, dig the synopsis of this film. Okay. A little redhead freckled nine-year-old boy (laughs) is unable to adapt to suburban life as his only (laughs) friend is a foul-mouthed gerbil and he faces constant rejection by his peers. He accidentally meets a prostitute under the name of Sweet Chiffon who takes him to her working place, a bar named The Playground, where he's befriended by the pimp Fruit juice. (laughs) Who gives him a small amount of pimp glitter. And so he now decides that he wants to become a pimp. Who, who, who are the minds behind Lil Pimp? This movie was written and directed by Mark Brooks. I feel like I recognize that name. Uh, Just sounds like a name. I don't, I Um, he is familiar with, um, Adult Swim. He did, uh, Metal Ocalypse. Um. It sounds a little white boy fratty. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. If you watch the trailer, Mm. 
the little boy brings the pimp fruit juice to school for show and tell. And Lil, the little pimp is, is a little pimp. Well, he's nine. No, no, no. The little pimp fruit juice is a little pimp. Oh, so the nine-year-old doesn't become a pimp? No, the nine-year-old becomes a pimp. But, but he's the, not the little pimp referred to in the title. No, the little pimp in the title is fruit juice. Are you sure? Yes, because the nine year old's not the little pimp. No, he becomes a pimp. Yes, right. But the 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 the. Let's put it this way: if you look at the poster mm-hmm. of the movie, it's the little pimp. Got you. That is, and the it's poster. a little white boy. It's a little white boy, little white freckled. Now, white boy. does he have the movie pimp naming convention? That as a white pimp, he has to have a name that reflects his whiteness. I didn't get that far. Is his name like, you know, 8 by 14 or. I, I didn't get that far. I, I was stuck on white that. It was a, a little, if anything, he, he if, I was just stuck that the pimp, the little pimp is named Fruit Juice. I know we don't want to go delve into the review yet but milky way is the greatest white pimp name ever yeah yeah even though you saw it coming i did not see it coming. i saw it coming. i mean i knew he was gonna have a name that you know it's like you know i thought they you know something something yeah i don't know raisins and potato salad or something but but like but like milky way is fantastic <laughs> i was just what do you call a white pimp like, you know, in Black Dynamite, is Captain Kangaroo Pimp. And, you, you know, but it's always like the white guy. And then he has a pimp name that reflects it. White chocolate or vanilla yeah. or, you know, something like that. Milky Way is. But Milky Way is fantastic. It is fantastic. And he doesn't even get a line. He doesn't need a line. <laughs> he just has his two fingers when he's voting with Bell. <laughs> Sugar has the best line. What do you say, sugar? Sugar says sweet. Yeah. Like, ah, he's got a whole motif. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the top five. Yes, movie pimps. Fruit juice. Fruit juice. That's the name. Fruit juice. That's the, that's the key. Why you would be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of love, touch and a sense of sound. Six Degrees of Durville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I will give Vincent two actors and he will have six films or less to connect them to the man with the strongest pimp hand in the game, Durville Martin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, man, the man's name is the best pimp name of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, he plays a rival pimp in Dolomite. He does. So... All right, Vincent, are you ready? I am ready. All right, starting with number one. Okay. Uh, keeping in theme. I think these are thematic. All right. Thematic. All right. These are actors who have played prostitutes. Actors who have played prostitutes. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. So in six films or less, mm-hmm. connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. To. To. Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. She played prostitute in. Oh, I was about to say bonus if you can name the movie she played a prostitute. 
Uh, I don't know, but let me go ahead and um get to Elizabeth Taylor real quick, and then you can tell me. So Derville Martin is in um. Guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier? Sidney Poitier is in Paris Blues with Paul Newman. And Paul Newman is in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Elizabeth Taylor. Very good. Yeah, so so what's yeah, you you know, I don't really do the old movies necessarily, but you know I love them Tennessee Williams movies. Uh Elizabeth Taylor famously played a prostitute in Butterfield Eight. Okay. It's a, that's that's the name I've heard, but I'm not familiar with that film. Yeah, yeah, it's of its time. Okay, all right, all right. Next up, next up, the tail was a good pull, and hopefully you will think the same of this thespian slash prostitute. Okay, in six films or less, mm-hmm. connect Derville Martin to two. John Voight. John Voight. Bonus if you can name the movie in which he played. Is it Midnight Cowboy? It is indeed Midnight Cowboy. All right. So, um, that's Dustin Hoffman too, right? That would be Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Okay. Ratso. Well, I'll go to I'll go to Midnight Cowboy. Um. Here you go. Where do I want to get the So Derville Martin. Is in. This is a real roundabout way, but I can't think of any other Dustin Hoffman. Like, I know I can't think of any Dustin Hoffman off the top of my head that I can connect to quickly. So I'm going to say that Daraville Martin is in... Just line it up. Ervo Martin is in All right, five on the black hand side. Philip, uh, um, um, Dick Anthony Williams, Dick Anthony Williams, Mo Better Blues, Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington. He got game with um, Jim Brown. Jim Brown is in Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino. Al Pacino is in... um, Dick Tracy mm-hmm. with Dustin Hoffman, who's 
in Midnight Cowboy. John Voight. And now that's a and I know that's a really messy, ugly way to get to it, but I just off the top of my head I couldn't. That was good. Because uh, Dustin Hoffman's in in who why why is like the graduate. Mm-hmm. Was that Anne Bancroft? Yes. Also, but I don't know what else Anne Bancroft is really in. And he's in um Is that him in Tootsie? Yes. I don't know who else is in Tootsie. Um that you could have used for John Voigt. Like just off Sydney the Sydney Pollock. Yeah, I see. Uh and he's uh And he's Kramer versus Kramer. I was gonna say Kramer, but that who's who else is in Meryl Streep. Right, but then Meryl Streep is gets me all tangled. Well, up. Meryl Streep gets you to John Casales, yeah. who gets you to Al Pacino. Right. Yeah. And then that gets you. Yeah, I was never going to pull John Casales. Okay. Yeah, I was never going to pull him. Okay. But all right, all right. Or you got Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman gets you to uh, Rain Man with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise gets you to Mission Impossible with sure, John Sure, sure. I right, and I could have gotten to Tom Cruise pretty easily. Right. But okay, there you go. There you go. There you go. I saw somebody ask was Jodie Foster in Midnight Cowboys? She was not in Midnight Cowboys. No, you're probably thinking of um what she in? Is that is is she in Taxi Driver? Is it her in Taxi Driver? Or is, or is that, that Tatum um, O'Neill? Or is that only a Paper Moon? She's in Paper Moon. She's in Paper Moon. She's a, she's no, yeah, she because she's a young girl in right, Paper Moon. Right, she's in Paper Moon. Right. Uh, I think Tatum O'Neill. Why do I think Tatum O'Neill's in Taxi Driver? Maybe it, may, it might be Jody. Sure. It may be Jody Foster. Like both of them were in films that like, like around that same yeah, time. They're like, kind of like vying for the same right, role. Right. That's sort of icky. Yeah. Yeah. That's an icky little girl in this film, and and, and Jody kind of like blow blow up because right. she had the more. More talent. And like everyone was pretending that they weren't sexualizing them, but they were 100% sexualizing them. I know. I know. I, mm, uh, the, uh, off, off camera, I'll talk to you about a, a weird thing that happened. Right. Yeah. But like those, those early, like those 70s Tatum O'Neill, Jodie Foster kind of like, I don't, it, it, I, like I feel skeevy every time I watch them now. Yeah. Like those early, you know, like Little Darlings. Mm-hmm. I've been able to watch Little Darlings probably in 15 years. Okay. And I used to love Little Darlings. See, but this opens up a can of worms. Do you feel as skeevy watching something like Sweet Back, Sweet uh, Badass Song? I don't because it's one moment. Like it's, it's, it's that one moment and then it's over and then the movie goes on. But I feel like there was a pocket in the 70s where Brooke Shields, Tatum O'Neill, Jodie Foster, there was a lot of sexualizing them, like for the whole film. Um, like you actually don't even need to see that sweet back moment. Like it's less than a minute. Okay, but the fact that you don't, you're saying that you don't have to see it, but it still is there in the film. No, 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 no. And it is very I, prominent. And I would I would contend that it, I would contend it's that not prominent it, at all. It's like 45 seconds. Okay, but but it's it's still it still is very it it's very suggestive. And because you know you know nothing actually happened, but it's still No, no, no. The scene is terrible. I mean, even calling it a scene it's it's like a minute. 
Like comparing that to what they did with Jodie Foster and Tatum O'Neill and them is is like apples in an apple orchard. Orchid. Deborah Battles correcting us. Uh, Tatum is in Paper Moon. Right, right, and and I and I absolutely get them all mixed up. Like that again, that seventies pocket where the three of them were in stuff for like two hours in little slips. You just don't like Sweet Sweetback's badass song. I, I, I. No, I don't. Yeah, but it's like a second. It's like a second. Yeah, but I mean, I would contend that that scene is as sexualized as they are in their films. It is. About, it's about adultifying them in their in their look, right? More than more than anything overt, like somebody being with them or anything like that. Whereas opposed to in Sweetback, he is he um, Mario Van Peebles as as a little boy is has his clothes taken off and then is laying with a a woman absolutely in in bed. So I. I would contend that though as fleeting as you may consider that scene. Fleeting, it's his father actually directing it. This is real Roman Polanski layer level stuff we're talking about with these actresses though. Yeah, but you, okay, but you don't think it's even more icky that it's his father no, directing no, him? No, no, I wouldn't have done it. We wouldn't do it now, but again, to compare Melvin Van Peebles in his son in 30 seconds with something like what we're talking about. I don't, it's, it's not, it's it, again, it's, it is the same fruit. This is an apple, but this is a whole damn orchid. And again, their whole early careers were like that. Like it was film. Is that not true? Um, For, yeah, for, especially for Jody and Tatum, I think Brooke had her her parents kind of keeping her. I mean, between but yeah, I hear what you're it, saying. Between endless love and um the Blue Lagoon, Brooke Shields like someone should have been checking on that family. Hell, Brooke Shields says that now. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I, I just don't like Sweet Sweetback's badass song. Like you said, it's the same fruit, and I'm it, yes. it's all icky. But but I think. To my ears, you're being a, a bit more dismissive of the sweetback thing. I'm 100% being dismissive. And, of I, and I don't think that's fair. Because cause Mario's upset about it? Because Melvin's upset about it? Because somebody's upset about it besides you? That's not the point. I mean, I'm just saying it's it's, it's not the point. It's Now, to be fair, looking in the chat, Sharon Eldridge says that she agrees with you. La Dame, how you doing? Says that yes, agrees and that's with me. nice. But you know, again, it's so so. It is polarizing. It's uh, <laughs> it's not polarizing at all. It is actually zero polarizing. I, I I disagree. You can disagree, but objectively, it's not polarizing. Like objectively, it's not polarizing. Well, I, if if it if if you are correct, like that, it's not polarizing, and then I think that that's wrong because I think it should. Okay, be. well there you go. I don't think they should sneak coconut into things, and that's how you know it's a garbage. It's a garbage food because they always sneak it into stuff. I'm moving on. Okay, I'm moving on. All right, it's time for our review. 
Like, you know how you get a blondie and sometimes it's coconut in it and they never tell you. It's always coconut and stuff and they never tell you because they know nobody really wants to eat coconut. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. with women all day you know how it is why all the concern over a used up junkie she your sister <laughs> yeah willie she your sister too to get ladies and gentlemen black exploitation cinema by a friend of the show josiah howard what's up joe willie dynamite mm-hmm. from 1974 an action adventure film directed by gilbert moses produced by richard uh zanuck and david brown remember those names ladies and gentlemen and starring roscoe orman diana sands mm-hmm. thomas rosala joyce walker and royce uh, wallace as well as oh no there you go all right a new york city pimp and a social worker vie for control of a young prostitute's destiny mm-hmm Reading from Josiah's read on here, just a, a couple of lines. The film's poster art is utterly deceiving. What a, would appear to be a gritty, hardcore, depressing film is instead a jaunty, costume-heavy, inner-city fantasy picture. That is Josiah Howard's read mm-hmm. of Willie Dynamite, Vincent's selection for this stop on the Michelle mission, Vincent what say you of Willie Dynamite? Well, I've been thinking about movie pimps. 
for the past month or so because one of the many brilliant things that they clone Tyrone does is they they handle what I see as the tension in depiction depictions of movie pimps very well. I think on the one hand, as Josiah said, uh, this this film is is really reflective of the 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 popular way that pimps were presented mm-hmm. in films. When you think about something like the Mac, when you think about something that we we talked about um, last year, the the Tangerine Tangerine Man, the Tangerine Orange Man, and and this sort of persona of the pimp mm-hmm. as this kind of brightly outfitted outlaw character mm-hmm. who has these girls and and he's sort of you know using these girls to to get their aims and and you know we played with that image a little bit before um before the show mm-hmm. and and certainly this is a film that is famous for it and and if you've ever seen any part of this film you saw the pimp council scene, yes, which is iconic at this point. Uh, brought really back into the public consciousness because of Black Dynamite, mm-hmm. which very lovingly satirized it, not spoofed it, but satirized. <laughs> you can't spoof it because <laughs> it is this over the topness, and certainly there is that aspect in this film, you know, Willie Dynamite has on these very garish outfits and he has seven prostitutes working for him. And, and, and Roscoe Orman kind of, you, you know, looks really good in these outfits. Like they lay on him and, and he pulls them off, which, yes, he does. In, which in and of itself is a feat It is that he can pull off looking cool in these outfits and, and and they're 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 rival pimps and this that and the other, but then there's the other side of it, which has always been a part of the popularizing of the pimp in pop culture, and that these you know these these men are sex traffickers. Yes, these men are are predators. Mm-hmm. And from the beginning of this film. The film kind of grapples with that, kind of deals with that. Like, like I think you, you know, when it comes on, on, you know, it comes on. Willie is, of course, in his car, mm-hmm. and he's just driving through traffic, you know, a la Shaft or a la Superfly. And the girls are working, and and they're they're intercutting it with some because they're at, they're at a small business convention, and the small business. Um, association president is talking about being a small business owner and 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 you you understand what the film is doing but even from the very beginning where they show you you know not all seven but four or five of the girls in their interactions Mm -hmm. one of the girls is getting pulled into a room yes by the police yes against her will Mm -hmm. and this tension kind of runs through this film where you come for Willie, you come for the pimp council, you come for the stuff, but then there's this whole other thing going on. And a lot of that is what kind of keeps me 
fascinated by this film. The, the, the performances, again, Roscoe Orman, he's fine. He, you know, he's, he's, he has to be cooler than cool. Quite honestly, 80% of what Roscoe Orman has to do, again, is pull off these outfits. Yes. And I think he pulls them off. You understand his his charisma. You understand how this would work. Um, my beloved Thomas Rosala is in here. <laughs> permed out. Permed out. He's permed out. All Thomas Rosala. All Thomas Rosala ever has to do throughout the 70s is be Thomas Rosala. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, um, uh, Albert Hall shows up. Yeah, for a minute, yeah. From, from you know, character actor throughout the, the 70s and 80s, probably best known as Brother Baines mm-hmm. and Malcolm X. And, you know, he plays a detective that's trying to take down Willie. Um, Roger Robinson plays the rival pimp, Bell. Mm-hmm. And 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 I was joking at the beginning about, you know, you've got vision, Willie, and you've got to collect. Divide, yeah, which is you know actually cited word for word in Black Dynamite, and Roger Robinson chews up every piece of scenery on the set. Roger Robinson is having a ball. Mm -hmm. He's not taking this seriously at all. Like Roger Robinson is playing movie pimp. Yes. But, you know, the real kind of emotional draw to this is, of course, poor Diana Sands. I know. I say poor Diana Sands because she dies soon after this film. Soon after the film is making this Yeah, after the film is finished. And, you know, I love Diana Sands so much. 39 years old. Most famous as Benita from from, um, A Raisin in the Sun. Mm -hmm. But she plays Cora who used to be in the life. Mm-hmm. And now she is trying to pull girls out. And the moments with Diana Sands work against the moments with the outfits and, and, and you know, Martha Reeves singing the triumphant, Willie, yeah. Willie D. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, so that, more than any of the the pimp films from this era that I'm familiar with, this shows a side of that world. Yeah, that you did not see during this moment. Mm-hmm. They show girls in jail. They show violence among the girls. Mm-hmm. Someone dies. Yeah. Uh yeah. the 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 main source of the of the of, of the conflict a young prostitute named Passion is scarred almost, you know, it seems like this could be a life altering scar. Mm -hmm. It shows how even as, you know, the pimp and you're outside on the entrepreneur and a capitalist, as he says, he's got to deal with the police. He's got to deal with the court system. He got to deal with his rivals. He got to deal with his rivals. So, it's not quite on the level of of what you get in something like Superfly, where, where Curtis Mayfield famously writes in his lyrics the the dark side mm-hmm. of this lifestyle that the movie is glorifying. But there's definitely, again, from the first scene, 
this thread that runs throughout. Yeah. That there's more going on with this than just guys taking cocaine out of their watches and big purple cars and this, that, and the other. So that I am a fan of this film. I'm a fan of this film. It's interesting that the the title character, Willie D, like you said, when you're introduced to him, it's almost like it's Shaft the Pimp because it's mm-hmm. him driving in the car, him walking with the ladies. It's all glorifying him, right? But after that entrance, he is never on solid ground for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Slowly, the 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 earth starts to shake and crumble beneath him all throughout the film. He does not get a break the rest of the way. Um and he's uh and 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 every time with every you know setback it is only his own ego and hubris that keeps him from like just taking a moment to breathe and assess what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going from, from situation to situation to situation. Um, and I found that kind of interesting because like you said, you don't get this in these movies at this time. This is 1973. We, you know, we're not at the end of the black exploitation era, this era of films at all. So it's very interesting that this early on, someone would come in and kind of already flip it, mm-hmm. you know? And and then not only that, but find space in this movie to, as you said, to try and present a fully formed, fully fleshed out, fully authentic um, window into the life of black women in this mm-hmm. scene. Well, women, women in, women. in general mm-hmm. in this scene, but but primarily the lens is black women because you're looking at Cora, who is um, retired and reformed from that life, and you're juxtaposed against Passion, who she's trying to from that life mm-hmm. um, and then juxtapose against uh, Willie's you know bottom chick who you get the sense was who Cora once was right you know so those two are like polar opposites and, and who used to be passion and, and, and then used to be passion right with, you know Willie's and like you know the the one he's the sweet on at this moment. Mm-hmm. So you get the you get it's like that. There's like a little triangle there that I don't think the triangle is never fully formed because the 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 older the the madam of the stable she's not real, she's not as fully formed. But it's but it, it is there are the points are there mm-hmm. and it is at least touched on in this movie right. Um, so I did really appreciate that. I found myself watching this whole movie and just saying like, can we just get rid of Willie Dynamite? Sure. But I understand that this is, this is the, this is the way you get to the, to the story. This is what got you into the seat Mm -hmm. in the movies. Right. 
And there's enough of Roscoe Brown, you know, rolling around in his trappings. There's enough of him going up against Bell, which becomes like almost like a running joke throughout the movie. Yeah, throughout the movie. Yeah, almost comedic at points. Right. Mm-hmm. To to keep you keep you there. Um and thankfully there's enough of that to maybe keep you there because like Josiah says in his review of it, the the poster art smartly has you believing that you're in for, you know, the Mac. Right. Or a film of that ilk, Tangerine Man, Mm -hmm. you know? But this movie is not that. There's no nudity. Yeah. There is only one person that dies. And while it's graphic by 70s low budget standards, um, it is just the one person. Mm -hmm. Everything else is, you know, as far as the trappings, they're almost cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Um, the the production value of the film is high, and that is a tribute to the producers, Zanuck and Brown. Mm-hmm. And if you're wondering where you've heard the, their names, uh, ladies and gentlemen, they will go on to huge fame because at the same time that they are working on Willie Dynamite, they are preparing their next movie, which is going to be Jaws. Right. That they are producing right. with Steven Spielberg. Right. So, you know, they got their eyes on the prize. The, the already. end is nigh. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, they take this is their swan song. Right. In this right. genre. Yeah. So oh, yeah. um, so th- that was kind of the interesting why the the production values are on on point. Um the 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 wardrobe looks like wardrobe as opposed to just ran around the corner and found somebody's you know stuff um it's and it makes for uh an enjoyable movie from that standpoint because you know me I'm about production so if I can actually sit and enjoy what's happening here and there's some mildly interesting things happening from a direction standpoint sure. then I'm in and that is where you get to the blessing and unfortunately the tragedy, like you say, which is Diana Sands mm-hmm. because Diana Sands is someone who we have loved here on the, on the uh, mission for a long time. She showed up for a blink in uh carrot blue. Yeah. Um, um, gold, carrot gold, yeah. excuse me. Um, but seeing her here in probably as much as we've seen her probably the film where she like she's the second lead in this yes. movie. So this yes. is probably like the biggest role we've yeah. seen her yeah, in. Certainly. Certainly. And you could you can see, like, you know, this is still a 70s script. So there's some moralizing on it, but she gets it over, man. Oh, yeah. She gets it and and the shame of it is, is that in in this film, which from from all readings, she was did while she was racked with the cancer that was eating eating her up. There are shots of her where well, she can, doesn't look well. You can see. Yeah. You can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with that, this is almost, dare I say it, a star-making turn for her. Like, I could easily see, especially considering that this was in front of these producers, mm-hmm. that coming out of this... It elevates her. They, it elevates mm-hmm. her, and they like, yo, like, yeah, Let's find something for Diana in Jaws or whatever the next work that right. we want to do, man. And 
it it is such a shame. Well, you know what 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 the star making turn would have been like. You know exactly what she flows into from this. She's um. How did I just forget the 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 television show that Diane Carroll took over? Oh, Julia. Yeah, she goes right into Julia, and it's like if she had lived and played Julia. Julia is no longer. Well, Julia started of, before this, though. Julia started like late 60s. Right, but I thought she had to leave Julia. No, 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 no. Julia had to be after this because she was supposed to be Julia. And she was too sick to play Julia. And Diane Carroll took over for her. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. right yeah, yeah, Julia would have exploded with her. Yeah. Because you are you are right. There's. First of all, she damn near takes over the movie. She like not damn near. Orman, she yeah, takes yeah, over Roscoe the movie. Roscoe Orman has to have on the clown clothes. Yes, because without the clown clothes, because there is a scene, the best scene of the movie near the end, where yeah, it's just oh, the two oh, of them. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh my! What a scene! And that is all Diana. I love the fact that the film doesn't shy away from the honesty that a woman like Cora would be drawn to him. Yes. Even though you're introduced to her in the beginning of the film, she's in a relationship or has yes. a situation at least yes, with, with Thomas Ursala, oh, who's the attorney, she, a, a district attorney. She absolutely has a relationship. I think you want to talk about characters. She's got this wonderfully nuanced character. He wants to marry her. Mm -hmm. And she says, I can't marry you and do my work. That's right. Because if I marry you as the district attorney, then I'm authority. Right. For real. I'm a cop's wife, I'm more a, or less. Right, right. And yet, she still has this sort of her own kind of moral compass. Mm -hmm. She won't live with him. Mm -hmm. So he has to kind of deal with that. But you're right. It's 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 almost like subtext throughout the film if you're really paying attention. And you know, it's Willie Dynamite. Who's really paying attention to Willie Dynamite? <laughs> but then, as you said, you get this wonderful scene between the two of them. And again, I don't think Roscoe Orman does anything extraordinary in this film, but he's at his best in that scene. That's true. That's true. And I love the way the two actors play this attraction and I love almost automatically he moves into predatory mode with mm -hmm. her mm -hmm. and she realizes what happened. And a lot of this is physical. Like they're not saying it. They are actually physically acting this out. And, and you, you're, you know, look, I can't say enough about Diana Sands. I love core. Um, it's enough for me that to, to, because this is, like you said, um, this is one of, you know, maybe the great performance. You know, we liked her in the apartment. Yeah. And and she was good. The landlord. The, the landlord. landlord. I'm sorry. But you're right. She is the second lead yeah. in this. And yeah, this unfortunately, is, this might this this is the biggest thing. This is this is the the biggest thing on our filmography. It, it is a shame. Um you you pointed out how Roscoe comes alive in that scene. Um, 
I never think that I never buy him as Willie Dynamite. Like when he's walking, he's trying to be cool. Like he 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 looks the look, mm-hmm. and he the clothes look good on him. But when he moves in the clothes, I just never buy it. Well, I think you know. Once again, if you really want to pay attention to Willie Dynamite, I was fascinated by that one scene where he goes home. Mm-hmm. And you realize mm-hmm. his family thinks I, what I glean was they think he's a record producer. Yes. They yes think he's that's in, exactly in, what he, it is. But this is the family he comes from. So to your point, he actually is putting on. Yeah. Like, like I love the fact that he's so like, like he knows so much about the law, you know? So like, I kept waiting for another shoe to drop in. Like they say, he actually went to law school because mm. he never says why he knows all these statutes and all his, you know, all his rights. But I think, you know, I think you're right. But again, if you really want to dig into Willie Dynamite, in my mind, that's something else that works for me. I feel you. No, yeah. I, I was only pointing it out to, to say that with all that being said, I think that Roscoe Orman as an actor is, at least in this film, shows shows himself to be more of a, a better uh, counterpuncher. And yeah. that's why yeah. he is able to bring it against Diana Sands mm-hmm. because he really is not against any, you know, the rest no. of his movie, he's he's up against the the other prostitutes. Sure. Uh, Passion played by uh, Janine Bell, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, Who's actually a model. But a, but a model first. Like a model, you know, yeah, first so, black woman on the cover of Seventeen magazine mm-hmm. and, you know, had a pretty yeah, good a, career. Yeah. yeah, but but not an actress of note. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so he's not, he's, He's not having anything to counter against. He's not really doesn't really share any scenes with Thomas Rosala, right? And and then with Roger Robinson Bell, like they're going they're going pimp for pimp. I'm wrong about something. Diana Sands was supposed to play Claudine, the movie in the movie, right? Not Julia. Okay, because I, I was right, pretty sure right. the show right. started in I'm, I'm the mid right, 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 right. Missing Diana Carroll. Right, right. She and Diana Carroll, because she was on Julia. Right. Gotcha. They actually bring her in, I believe, the second season because Julia was getting all the critique that it wasn't black enough. I do remember something like that. So then they like start that. bringing in more. That I think that's the season where Jim... Um, where Fred Williamson Fred plays, Williamson comes plays in, her boyfriend. Plays her boyfriend yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm. Look forward to more Julia talk on my secret project coming soon. Okay. I'm just putting it out there. It's a fascinating story. It is. And a fascinating moment. Yeah. Fascinating series. It's a fascinating series. But here on Willie Dynamite, so, but how do you, th- you haven't, like, you haven't mentioned the scene. Like, you haven't, you haven't said anything about the scene. Which scene? Oh, come on. There's only one real scene in Willie Dynamite. You mentioned it. Yeah, but you, I didn't. The pimp council. I, 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 how do you like the pimp council, Lynn? How do you feel about the pimp council? I mean, honestly, once you've seen it, kind of like, like, it's, it, it's, it's cool, right? But once you've seen it in Black Dynamite. Like this was like ah oh, okay, like it didn't do anything for me. Really, it did nothing for me because I I don't buy 
Roger Orman. I don't buy Willie Dynamite. Did Bell move you? Bell didn't move you? Bell moves me, but he's not the whole scene. <laughs> and like, okay, yeah, you know, you got your Milky Way. But even <laughs> even, even Sugar? Sugar? With Sweet. sweet. He don't really sell it. He don't really sell it. You know what I'm saying? Like you watch, you watch that scene and then watch basically the same scene in Black Dynamite. Tell me which one you want to remember. You got Robert Duquois. This is like a preview of when he plays King George in Coffee. Please. Yeah, I thought about that. And he look he looks ridiculous. <laughs> looks absolutely how ridiculous. Play, how how he get pimp roles? I know. Cause he don't look like a pimp. I know Nathaniel. Like you're saying Sugar didn't play him, but part of the reason that Nathaniel Taylor doesn't actually look like a pimp, because he hasn't grown his mustache yet. Okay, fair so enough. So that he looks like Rollo. Cause Rollo Rollo looks like a pimp. Look like a pimp the entire season. The whole time. Yes. Remember when he was pimping the three degrees? No one likes to talk about it, but he was very much a three degrees pimp. Remember they had a whole thing they would talk about him because he knows what is right for us. It's like, is Rollo the three degrees pimp? <laughs> I do remember that. I know you do because it was it was unsettling. It was very unsettling. Because you led the three degrees and yeah. felt like like Rollo was Rollo's like the, I didn't like his voice when he talked to them. Yeah, I know. Neither did Fred. Neither Uncle. They called him Uncle Fred. Fred. She put like jelly on a biscuit and Fred and I was like, are they just looking for pimp? Like, I think they were. It's a disturbing episode. I think they were. Well, I mean, the three degrees didn't become what they should have been. Right, and, and I'm sure. And, and obviously, they were the three they degrees. Were the for, characters, okay. not the actual three degrees. And they were then, for like the end of the episode because remember they got kicked out of the, they got kicked out of the, they got thrown out of the contest because Fred and 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 all his boys came, and and they were they we want the three they degrees. Rowdy, we yeah. want the three degrees, and then they all got thrown out, and and Lamont hit that dude's fists with his face. And then the three degrees said they found a dude who was going to give him a ride back to Philadelphia. They never showed the dude who was going to give him a ride. They just said, it was, and then you just never saw him again. And I always, I was concerned about them. Not the three degrees, but the three degrees on Sanford and Son. Those, three degrees. Those, those are two distinct different three degrees. Like, like, like I'm sure when, when people went and 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 tape the Doobie Brothers concerts, like the Doobie Brothers themselves, and jump up, jump off the stage, and stop people, and then come back to the soda shop to get the the bootleggers, like the Doobie Brothers did on what's happening. On what's happening? Like that's not what the actual Doobie Brothers would do. It was what's the TV Doobie Brothers? TV Doobie. Who are we talking about? <laughs> Right, you said Nathaniel Taylor didn't really look like a pimp, which is so weird because he played a character for like five years where clearly he was a pimp. Would you recommend that people see Willie Dynamite? You know, I would. I think it is a film. Well, let me just say this. I, th I think you got to watch everything Diana Sands was in. <laughs> 
just because she just wasn't in that much. Right. Yeah. I think she gives a really solid performance in this. And as you said, the, the heartbreak is you could tell this could have catapulted her to different places. Mm-hmm. I think if you are interested in 70s films, this is a nice part of that part of the black exploitation conversation. Because a lot of the push and pull of black exploitation critique was sp- specifically about the image of the pimp. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just as important as the Mac when we talk about the image of the 70s pimp. To get the, the both sides of the story. I think the pimp council, council is a hoop, is an absolute hoop. And and I, I periodically just watch that Bell's speech, not even the whole scene, just Bell's speech about when the man comes down on you, you either collectivize or you run like a solitary rat. So yeah, I would for for a variety, whatever reasons that you need. Whatever to come gets to this. you, whatever in front gets of the you screen. There. Yeah, and and you. I would recommend Willie Dynamite. Um, Pimp Council scene, it, it's it's good. I mean, it's good to see. It's good to see the original. Yeah, of that scene. If you're a absolutely. fan of Black Dynamite, this is the original. Yeah. Um. So watch it for that. But the reason why you continue watching this movie is Diana Sands. Mm-hmm. That is 100. That is the only reason to get to the end of the movie and. When you don't see her anymore, mm-hmm. when Willie Dynamite comes out of the door, comes outside at the end of the movie, turn it off because yeah, the movie's done. Um, but Diana Sands is worth the price of admission. I do believe, like you said, um, her career was so short, so fleeting. Um, it's a testament to her abilities that she still left such an indelible mark Mm -hmm. um, in our consciousness um, in so few uh, scant roles. Um, But this is probably her most prominent. And for that reason, and alone, see Willie Dynamite. I guess we haven't actually said it out loud that Roscoe Orman is, of course, Gordon. Gordon from Sesame Street. Yes. Who I actually watched... Um, one of those uh, American Academy of Television interviews mm-hmm. they did with him. Okay, and he referenced talking about how he was cast in uh, Willie Dynamite, mm-hmm. because, which he did do before Gordon, like right, because right he's he, actually the second Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, after Matt Robinson, yeah. Um, and he talked about how you know this script was kind of like floating around, and like a friend of his told him about this audition so he went for it and you know lo and behold he got more or less he got the role i'm i'm I'm, you know skipping over it but he doesn't go into any really great detail he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't sound like he is necessarily ashamed of it but it sounds like you know he has left such an indelible mark as Gordon. I mean, mm-hmm. he he played Gordon for over 30 years. I think yeah, he may oh, even yeah. still be playing Gordon. I, 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 I was going to say, um, at least as of a few years ago, right. when my son was watching. So, 
and and Gordon on Sesame Street becomes like you know you you play that role you become that role he's iconic y- yeah yeah and, and you you to a degree as have to kind of like live up to that as much as you can mm-hmm. so he didn't sound dismissive of it but he sounded like he was just matter of fact i did this right. this is why i did it right it was a thing right i got paid it didn't get me any further. And then I was on Sesame Street. And then I was on Sesame Street. And I, I said, you know what? Like, dog, I'm not mad at you. Look. You know? Look. Now, I only wish that you can tell the people that do those type of uh, type of interviews, they're not steeped in black culture. Right. Because the next question is, how was, how it, was it, it working, working with, with Diana, Diana Sands? Sands? And yeah. that's not explored right. in there. Or if it is, it wasn't in the clips that I saw. Right. Um. So I only wish that that... It, it, you know, somewhere yeah. there was him voicing that. Yeah. But um, other than that, it was, you know, I understood that, you know, he didn't have anything bad to say about yeah. it. But it, it, not in his defense, but just to contextualize it, I think the vast majority of conversation about Diana Sands leaves this out. Probably because like, of like, the trappings of it, right? Well, I mean, this is dumbass movie. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like you know, obviously the bulk of it is about her as Benita in Raising in the Sun on broad on Broadway and in the film. If you get a deep cut, they'll talk about the landlord. Yeah, but as as you and I That's said, pretty- as as people who have watched Diana Sands' performance. This is the one that really gives her the space mm-hmm. to act, and and it is. It's it's a shame that because it's in, you know, the the, the movie with the dude in the gold lame suit in the pimp council, you don't really get the attention that it deserves. I was willing to work with almost everything he wore mm-hmm. as being of the time. Yes. But when he had on that gold, because he Vince is not joking, ladies and gentlemen, this gold lame suit mm-hmm. with a collar, yeah, out to here, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, yeah, this is a bridge too yeah, far, yeah, yeah. So you were good with the pimp Elks Lodge outfit. I actually was. You like the, you did the big hat? I, I kind of. He's like, he's like, I, he's like a, a, a pimp Elks Lodge dude. I, I was kind of with that. That was kind of. And, and, and like the plush robe that he. Like, I like that he dressed down. <laughs> like, he dressed down. So he had on a one piece suede <laughs> jumper with a deep V down to his belly button. He did. And this sort of plush robe thing. That he went to see his parents. Yeah. He was dressing down because he was going to New Jersey to see his parents. Well, that was high fashion. That was it was just it was just high fashion. It was high fashion. He was just high fashion. <laughs> and I don't want to be, uh, you know, I won't be disrespectful to my parents' house. I said, Oh, that's him dressing down. I see how you're doing, Willie. <laughs> oh. For dinner with the pastor. For dinner with, with the pastor. And they, and they prayed and, and he, sleeves was flapping. It's like, okay, all right. 
I, but I the goal of May was the goal of May was, goal too, was a bridge too far that for was you. Too, too far. That was it. That I, was it. I of course love the goal of May. You did because if you're gonna do it, do it. Like, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna do it, do it. So you were good with the fur hat. The fur hat. The fur, was, hat. the fur hat. Which did you notice? Uh, you watched the Black Dynamite cartoon, didn't you? Of course. You know that's the exact outfit Black Dynamite wore to the player's ball yes. when he was sick. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, obviously Michael Jai White and and the Black Dynamite staff huge fans are huge fans of Black Dynamite. Dynamite. They've yeah. they've got the storyboards, up. right? Right. <laughs> right, right. Obviously. All right, ladies All and gentlemen. Right. Um, hey, did you know that August has five weeks in it? Uh-huh. So we've got a fifth week special coming for you next week, ladies and gentlemen. But before we get to that. If you like the Michelle Mission, then like the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. Go to MichelleMission.com, hit swag, and check out all the cool designs we have available by way of our good friends at T Public. You can also find the Michelle Mission on the social media of your choice, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, social media formerly known as Twitter, at Michelle Mission. You can check us out and also subscribe to the Michelle Mission on YouTube, where you're watching us right now at Michelle Mission, where we're going to be adding videos. We're going to be adding shorts. We've got an epic short that our producer has told us is the funniest thing he's ever seen from last week that is going to be going up tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to see it. Um, You will never see a, a, a black man turn as red ever again. Uh, <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, you can also hit us up. Let us know thoughts that are on your mind. You can email us at michellemission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Or, hey, guess what? Leave us a voicemail. 215-867-9666. It's 215-867-9666. Leave us a voicemail and let Benson Len know what's on your mind. You can also check out the Michelle member as a proud the Michelle Mission, excuse me, as a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. We stream our show live every Tuesday from Young Junk here in Maniunk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace. Go to videocontentfactory.com and book your time in one of the other studios. There's a horde of studios here for your choosing. To get your podcast up and looking beautiful as ours. Next week here on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, Vincent, do you remember way back in the very merry month of May when we reviewed a film? Wasn't necessarily a bad black movie. Yes. And? Well, the missionaries were quite upset with us. And they, 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 they made, made it known. What do we watch? That we owed them yes. a bad black movie. And so the bad black movie that we're watching so is. So for fifth week of August. Mm-hmm. We've got your bad black movie, ladies and gentlemen, and it's coming your way next week. Next week, 
we are going to be staying in the era of the 60s, but we're going to 1976, and we're going to be stepping lively with, hey, Jenny Bell. Name ring a bell? Roseanne Caton. Yeah, I think she was first black playmate. Trina Parks and Jane Kennedy. Lord have mercy. In a movie that we like to call, and so does everyone else, The Mothers. The Mothers. That is the badass black movie we watching and reviewing next week here on the Michelle Mission. Just for you, because mm-hmm. you asked for it. Mm-hmm. Deborah Battle, Miss mm-hmm. Makiba, Aaron Fry, mm-hmm. Robert Monroe Jr., all you missionaries that said, y'all owe us a bad black movie. Well, here it is. The mother's coming for you. Have you seen this? Never saw it. Me either. I, I don't know if, is, is it bad if we enjoy it? Well, I'm not going to speak for you. <laughs> is it bad if I enjoy it? Because I feel like. I might enjoy this. You might enjoy it too. All right. But that don't mean it ain't black, bad. Oh, that's, this is true. And it's true. This is- that's it. Until next week. I'm Bat Daddy. He's. Look, my name is Vince. Now, if someone called out Macchiato, you would answer. I would answer to it, but I would answer it with my inside voice. I'm going to help you. It's like just a splash of fun. Imparting, we say. See you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by... Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.